Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to the very first edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm your host Luke Byron. Today, as always, I'm joined by Tom Kennett, Keenan Bonner and Sean Shute. The concept here is simple. We've uh, compiled a list of 32 comedy movies that were released within our lifetimes, that being 93 to 2020. We've then seeded those in revenue order, taking inflation into account and produced a March Madness style bracket to determine which of these films is best. Each episode will cover one matchup in particular, and we start today with the number one seed, 2003's Bruce Almighty, taking on the bottom seed, 2008's Sex Drive. How's everyone doing? All good, sir. Yeah, Four, yeah we... not bad at all. No, your technical issues out the way, we're all good. Yeah. Te- also, you, hey. said, you said as always, even though it's the first episode of the thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm meaning like, as always, we're not going to change the cast, it's going to be us four, each film. So, okay. Okay. So we've got, got the rules out of the way for if anyone is confused. TK's giving them a glimpse behind the curtain saying about technical issues. So yeah. Just as, letting as, them know. As, as I said, we've got Bruce Almighty and Sex Drive. I'd say two quite opposite types of comedy. For sure. One big budget. One is very much your teen comedy. I guess you're expecting maybe more from one than the other. We've each rewatched the films in the last couple of days to make sure we've refreshed for this. I think Sean, well, I know Sean's first time watching Sex Drive. We'd all seen Bruce Almighty beforehand, but we tackle one film at a time. And then at the end, we have a kind of set of criteria to determine which film's going to go through to the next round. So, what do you want to start with, Bruce Almighty or Sex Drive? You're the host. I don't know if uh, how fresh you were feeling, Sean, because I know, well, I will save your thoughts on Sex Drive. If you want to start with Bruce Almighty, then, if we start with the one <laughs> seed, sounds about right. Kick off uh, with, well, the biggest uh, grossing film on the list. So I think I was going to get the IMDB uh, kind of description, but this was kind of a one-off in that, if you look back through history, religious films don't do too well because you're essentially taking out a massive chunk of people that are willing to see your film. I mean, if you do a film that's based very kind of, I was going to say to the book, but I don't know if you class the Bible and that kind of thing, like stick to the author's <laughs> vision. But usually if you have like a religious film, if you do it about Moses, then you're cutting out a portion, like 70% of people that aren't going to be associated with the Bible. And then you cut out probably a portion of that market that don't want to see a religious text dealt with in that way. So this was kind of a religious film, but not so much religion. I mean, it's quite sarcastic and downplaying on religion the more you get into it. Yeah, true. Without being sort of like uh, disrespectful, isn't it, though? Like, for example, the character of God in there is made to look Obviously, like he's got a hard job and it's good, rather than yeah. a bloke who's maybe just clowning around. Because says uh, the kind of the the bio is a guy who complains about God too often is given almighty powers to teach him how difficult it is to run the world. Hmm. 
I mean, I would think it's kind of common sense that if you haven't seen this film, I imagine this isn't, you're not going to come across this and say, oh, no spoilers, but if anyone is going to complain about that, you've had 17 years to watch this one for a start. <laughs> and it would be weird to listen to a podcast 50% based on Bruce Almighty if you haven't yet seen the film. So it is weirdly kind of like one big I told you so, because Jim Carrey, Bruce, curses out God. He gives him the powers to say, you can see how hard it is. You've been harsh on me. And then waits till he says, I can't do it. You are right. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure that in itself is is essentially one of the, the messages in the Bible about walking in uh, walking in people's shoes. That, that's yeah, yeah. Don't, don't judge me until you've like, you've walked the mile in my shoes. I'm not overly religious, so if that's not in the Bible, I'm really sorry. It's a modern fable. <laughs> that, that, that's it. It's, it's, I mean, it's essentially it is a fable. It's <laughs> you know I mean, the, the grass isn't always greener. Bruce got off quite lightly because. There's one story in the Bible, isn't there, where some guy has to murder his son to prove to God that he still loves him. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I think Bruce he's nearly lost Jennifer Aniston. But... He could have murdered Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> or the dog. They kept pushing everywhere. <laughs> Honestly, so... if the dog was making that much of a mess of my house, it would have been gone a long time. <laughs> would not have lasted the 90 minutes. One of my gripes was that once it started, it kind of makes less sense to carry the dog while we're around the house and spray it around the rest of the apartment <laughs> rather than just let him be by the by the chair. Let him finish up. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I don't want my cat's going to spew in my room when he starts, and then I kind of give him a little nudge. And as soon as he starts, it's like, well, there's not much point moving you now. I'd rather it be in a pile for me to deal with. Than... Get it up, son. <laughs> you spread it around the house. So this is um, the third collaboration between um, Jim Carrey and Tom Shadyak, if I've pronounced that right. But the first two were Ace Ventura and Liar Liar. So I guess they kind of knew they were onto a winning formula by this point. Yeah. Very much feels that sort of um, set as well. Obviously, Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey, isn't he? But yeah. it's got that sort of same feel about it. Do you think he was anywhere near the box office star in 2003? And he was in 94. Like, I'm trying to think of what he had afterwards. He would have done Truman Show, The Cable Guy. He had 94, which is possibly for a comedic act. It's probably him in 94. is like the best year on the planet. Yeah. Um, But even, as you say, a winning formula. I mean, his star seems to have dimmed a little bit. Well, his his film before this was um, The Grinch. So in in 2000, he said, Oh, The Grinch stole Christmas and uh, me, myself and Irene. Oh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. Because, I mean, the was Grinch this is. The, was this the end of his peak? What did he do yeah. after this? <laughs> after this, he went on to do um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That's right. Um, the first Lemony Snicket's uh, series of unfortunate events film, which bombed, I'm pretty sure, because yeah, they didn't yeah. follow it up. People hated it. Um, fun with Dick and Jane. And then he tried going a bit different with uh, the number 23, which I've, I've not seen, but. I think Sean was right. I think this is probably the last act of his peak. Well, now he's, he's trying to be serious, isn't he? For Well, I say that. He's just said Sonic the Hedgehog, so I'll take that back. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but yeah, he was, wasn't he? He was trying to go in a slightly different direction. There's there's a documentary about him on Netflix and uh, the guy that inspired him, but it, it looks like uh, the, the trailer looks like something you'd see in Insidious, like one of the skits for when they go into like the other little realm, and there's all yeah. people just kind of like over the top laughing and that kind of thing. Oh god! Yeah, it's, uh, it's it's uh, it's Andy Kaufman. It's when Car- uh, when Jim Carrey played him in Man on the Moon, um, and about how he sort of lost his mind, and as people have questioned whether he. Ever really, whether whether he ever came out of that experience the same bloke, <laughs> and then you look at some of the stuff that he's done afterward, you think, well, maybe it did change him. Well, you look. This is kind of uh, Steve Carell before Steve Carell as well. Yeah, 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 definitely. This, this is, is um, just before. Sorry, man, I was going to say this is just. Is this just before the forty-year-old virgin? Yeah, yeah what happens before, is um, Judd Apatow is actually um, an unlisted writer on the scripts of Bruce Almighty. So he doesn't oh, get right. a writing credit, but he's brought on for this. He then branches off, having worked with Steve Carell on this briefly. He can't go and get someone like major for his first kind of big hit. And he calls upon Steve Carell. And obviously it's like a match made in heaven when they eventually put the film together, which I think is on our list for later down one of the episodes. When Steve Carell, when I was watching it back, I figured he was already established at this point. But then I guess looking back, he wasn't, which makes sense for his part in the film. Because yeah, then they go on to, they try and get Jim Carrey to do the sequel to this, and he looks at it and says that he's not keen on being the same role twice. And so they look down the list. Steve Carell has blown up at this point. They have this mental budget, the highest budget ever for a comedy film. Jesus. And then it gets like pissed away because what? it's Evan one of Mike. the biggest flops of all time. Yeah. I don't think I made it through the film. I swear it's sure. just like a repeat of the film. I swear it was... They didn't really, like, differentiate. I remember was, uh, people he had to make at a, the cinema. He had to make an arc, didn't he? I think, yeah. I think he had yeah. to make an arc, yeah. Uh, it, if anything, it's, 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 it's a little bit watered down. Like, it, it becomes... I think they drop it even more into the like the kids' market as well. And then it oh, just, it's, it's just like a watered down Bruce Almighty if you can't dilute it anymore. I mean, this film originally was meant to be a lot darker um, if, if Jim Carrey and um, Shadia could have their way. So they, they trimmed it down. But originally they were going to have um, Evan, so Steve Carell. His head was going to burst into flames live on air. Jesus. And you can, you can see this online if you search for it. And um, there was also a scene in which um, – he uses his powers to uh, pleasure Susan Ortega without consent while she's on the air. Oh, yeah. wow. There's, um, <laughs> there's an entire character who's removed called Bobby, who was a rival broadcaster. And um, Bruce possesses him with a demon because he found him annoying. <laughs> if, he did an interview about it after, and he described the original cut of the film as um, too violent and horrible. So they toned it down for the release. That's a shame. So it could have been completely different. It would have been like, well, Jim Carrey maybe as as the Riddler, where he's kind of like on the edge. But the thing with that is, it's like I'd probably be a more accurate depiction of if you've got those powers, yeah. things would go disaster. You would go more outlandish than I think he does go in the film. Even if it have... happen, I think you'd go more mad than he did. His only real thing where he kind of uses his powers, well, I say for bad, is when the gang that jumped in previously comes across them again. 
Yeah, and, and the thing where he makes like, Evan like talking. Oh yeah, like, can't talk properly on camera. But like, even that, you could have had more sort of fun with that. Yeah, probably. we need to stop the thing in films where you see a gang in an alley and you walk towards them like something going wrong <laughs> and then you badmouth them because even when they're going to walk away he said go on you walk away and then that's <laughs> when they come back <laughs> I don't know if this is uh, like common knowledge you know the monkey um, that's used in the alley scene is uh, the same monkey that plays Marcel in Friends <laughs> I thought that when I was watching it that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Thought they looked very similar. <laughs> There's a couple of uh, crossovers here because this one I was going to say, but I won't. Um, Susan Ortega is played by um, Catherine Bell. So this was originally going to be Eva Mendes, by the way. Jesus. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, scheduling conflicts meant that she couldn't do it, which is kind of a slap in the face because Jennifer Aniston was recording. Uh, Friends, um, along came Polly and this at the same time. So <laughs> what was Eva, probably what was Eva Mendes doing? Too Fast, Too Furious? Yeah, it was actually. Yeah, you're right. Good thinking. Um, mm. But so we've had Marcel that was in Friends as well. And there's not the only one. Catherine Bell, who then goes on to play Susan Ortega, had appeared on Friends previously. And you won't notice it, but on the episode where Chandler and Joey leave the baby on the bus, Catherine is one of the women that Chandler and Joey are um, flirting with on the bus. <laughs> oh, wow. So there's a crossover episode for you. That really is excellent trivia. Um, Ron Jeremy is also the guy who's in the diner when they when Bruce goes in to test his powers for the first time. He's walking out as uh, Bruce walks in. What? I've never clocked that. I didn't clock that as I was rewatching this, but that's I amazing. wouldn't have until I'd seen uh, the trivia, and then it's like, how do you not see it? That's insane. Because it makes no sense for him to, <laughs> to be in there and this guy to kind of be like staring down the camera. <laughs> but, I mean, go on. So I was just going to say, I wonder what the thought process was. I wonder yeah, if that, that is strange. I wonder if thought, hey, what, we just need an extra. Why not? Why not get the formerly the world's fate, most famous porn star? Just <laughs> get, get a big dick wrong in there. Do you, do you think, when you look now, that Morgan Freeman is the right guy to be God? I'd say so, yeah. At the time, I, there was a bit of fuss, wasn't yeah. there, because he was black? Yeah. Well, not he was black. He still is. <laughs> <laughs> but they cast a black actor. Yeah, there was, there was, and I, because I was I, obviously we were all a lot younger when this came out, but I'd sort of forgotten that that was ever a thing. Um, and now, because once you see the film, you're just like, yeah, that's Morgan Freeman's great in it. He yeah. makes perfect sense as God. But there was a, like a bit of an uproar at the time that he was black and he was going to be playing God. I was um, watching uh, an episode of Family Guy earlier while I while I was eating and. Uh, Peter has diarrhea and he kneels at a baseball game to try to keep it in and then claims it because they all think he's an activist. So he kind of takes it and runs with it. And I think this is kind of what, what I imagine the filmmakers did here in casting uh, Morgan Freeman because he he was like the fourth or fifth pick to be God. <laughs> the first person they approached was Robert De Niro. I, I can see that. De Niro. Yeah. And uh, the, the other one that's been confirmed which is really strange to me, is Jack Nicholson. Wow. 
who goes on to play the devil in another film. I was going to say, you'd have a far more villainous god, I feel. Yeah. A lot less gentle than Morgan Freeman's one. So uh, that's in itself. Jack Nicholson to Morgan Freeman suggests that they were just looking for a big name to play God. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Like a powerful like A-lister to play him, and it was kind of like, so like when we that. get here. <laughs> I think yeah. it would be, I mean, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Alan Arkin, someone someone like that is really, because they're obviously looking for the older type. You, you know, in Football Manager, where you were uh, offered to clubs, that's like the equivalent. The agents, they just sent it out. We've got this God role here. <laughs> that's what you've got. And they've just gone down the list then, accepting offers. I mean, you don't get a bigger role, in fairness. It's a good sell. <laughs> He he's not religious himself either, Morgan Freeman. So he says that he kind of he kind of had no qualms in, in the, yeah, feeling yeah. like he he said he was asked a lot whether he felt he could live up to the role of being God, and he was like, <laughs> if you've got nothing to base it on, it's then either, you can yeah. kind of play it as you want. Yeah, yeah. One of the things when you when you kind of search back on Bruce Almighty now is people say that there's a load of. Uh, unseen things uh, that are links to uh, like like religious texts and things what I think that like separating the tomato soup is quite obvious it's not like one of those things that you don't see the first time around and kind of clock what they're trying to do yeah I mean yeah. one of the more yeah it's, it's literally red liquid like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not it's not subtle um, yeah so, I don't know about any others. They say um, the fact that the elevator's broken, so they say it's like stairway to heaven, is him having <laughs> to go up the stairs. Okay. Obviously, nice. the big bright lights of heaven is one where he kind of has the light clapper and he's nearly blinded when he looks up there. Mm. But there's, there's, I mean, you can search the list. There's not, I think if you're not religious, then some of them wouldn't make sense, but none of them are too kind of outlandish like it's things that they're like leaning on and things like that so I don't know if they were trying to have it subtle I always wonder with the directors I think it was I don't know what film it was it might have been the, the, the Revenant where they kept saying it's, it's the things that that kind of it's implied you're not meant to see it and I was if I'm going to see a film I want them to put it there for me to see but <laughs> Check the trivia down the line. He wants on the plate now. I just remembered another crossover as well uh, with the Irishman, because the body that they find is Jimmy Hoffa's body. But this this was a thing with mm. um, Tom Tom Shadyuk. So the first three films he directed, he had a link to Jimmy Hoffa in all of them. <laughs> oh, really? So he he was making a Hoffa reference in them. So if you go back through his, I think that's kind of his little calling card. Okay. Uh, so not just with Jim Carrey, so there's not a reference no. like in Ace So there's other ones. Um, I'd have to get the list, but I know the the prefix that they use usually in films is they put 555 at the start of the number. So if people do go to dial a number, then it, the number's not going to work. But for this film, they then used an actual phone number. So this woman's phone in Colorado was just getting bombarded with people <laughs> trying to phone God. I don't know why you watched a film and think, for a start, if they had God's number, they're going to sneak it in a film. 
<laughs> and secondly, why you think he's just going to answer the phone and sort things out for you? But it's hiding in plain sight. Maybe that's what they're thinking. Yeah. So they had to buy these two phone numbers in the end because they're using for the pager and when he calls God afterwards. Yeah. And both numbers, they just typed in a load of random ones. And the other one was a radio station. <laughs> and so this radio station was just getting bombarded. In terms of other bits of um, trivia, it's some of these things that you would notice. The set in which, uh, when you see when he's driving between stations and things like that, um, the set is from Back to the Future. So you can actually see the clock tower in one of the scenes when he's driving through to work. Oh, wow. So you got a lot of little things like this. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because one of the stories from the filming was they say a crane was blown blown over by the strong winds. And they say that uh, Jennifer Aniston was standing with her back to it. And like in the films, uh, Jim Carrey pushed her out of the way to make sure she doesn't get crushed by a crane. But he played down the incident. So he was kind of like, look, guys, it's not... It was just doing my thing, not too uh, serious. But Jennifer Aniston denies that, ever, that she was even there. So <laughs> I don't know who you want to believe in this situation. I like the idea of it not happening, but Jim Carrey thinking, I'll take some credit for this, <laughs> but not all of it. In that story, Jim Carrey is never the one you believe. No. <laughs> like, he's, he's come too far down the mountain now for him just to be like, yeah, no, that, that's definitely right. If you have the DVD, I know they have some deleted scenes on there and they have Bruce answering prayers individually, giving a nerdy boy strength, um, helping some prisoners escape and um, giving a man uh, some more length. So you can see the tone of the film <laughs> really was going down. In the original ending, Bruce skydived without a parachute and this culminated in free falling, landing on and killing Bigfoot. Bigfoot is then revealed to be alive Bruce befriends him and brings him on the news as a co-anchor. What the hell? So if you think it's weird what we've seen, it could have been a lot worse. <laughs> I like I didn't know any of this, so I I, I didn't I let you do all the research because I'm lazy. But like I think this they've missed so many tricks here. Like, yeah, it's one of yeah, the worst looking Bigfoots you'll ever see. Oh, what was the film? Um, Harry. Oh, I can't, I can't remember what it is, but Bigfoot moves in with her family. Um, that was the worst, worst looking Sasquatch I've ever seen. <laughs> a lot of what's reported is how big the budget was for this film, but over a third of the budget was just getting Jim Carrey on board. So it's Jeez. not like um, the director being his friend was just was able to call in a favour. You might say it's like that now, but he was paid handsomely for it. Obviously, it paid off. Because I remember being quite excited for this to come out. Back in 2003. Like it was like the film. It was big news, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I know the trailer did a, a good job. I know it, it kind of shows you a lot of the good bits, but you had the whole kind of uh, scene where he first tests out the powers, which we'll get onto, I'm sure, with the best scenes. But yeah, yeah. That particularly on the trailer was enough to just sell it completely. They did well keeping it as a 12A, obviously, because of it, so they wouldn't have made half as much cash yeah no. I guess that's it if they had gone down the more extreme route we wanted then it's a lot less accessible isn't it the only place it was boycotted was in Egypt oh, fair so enough. I think they probably expected a bit more pushback and the Jim Carrey obviously people 
have their moral stance, but when Jim Carrey's involved, you can see it and complain afterwards. They've probably seen, well, look, it's Jim Carrey. How controversial can it be? It's probably just going to be a bit weird. Yeah, I guess so. But it's still... To do to be the number one seed of some of the films that we have is... I wouldn't have expected that beforehand. No, not at all. When you look at the list, I'd, I'd argue it's probably one of the weaker films in it, in it mm. as well. Did like, it... Did it age well for you when you watched it back? Were you expecting it to be fun? Because I hadn't seen it since the first time I'd seen it way back then. I don't. Mm. I did. I didn't think it aged that well. But I don't know if that's just I'm a lot older now, so it's, some of the bits in it just aren't as funny. Like the like you're talking about the dog like p- uh, pissing all around the house. It's not not that funny now. But when I was eight no. or nine, hilarious. <laughs> um, I don't think it. I don't think it's aged too badly though. Um, considering as I said it was 17 years ago, I still I've watched it and watched it easily. I think there wasn't anything that came out whereas I said I wasn't like Keenan said it wasn't like crying laughing, but I think that's because it's probably more the kind of humour that younger people would find funny. Do you think comedies as well, like they say, uh, the game's changed in basketball. It's faster now, less physical but higher paced. You, there's more pressure now to be delivering like a laugh like yeah if you do like your last per minute or whatever last per 10 minutes you kind of have to deliver more now when you have films like the hangover that literally as well as having somewhat of a storyline it's still like punch after punch after punch and for bruce almighty there's a lot more it's, I guess some bits are thought-provoking because you put yourself in the shoes of thinking, what would you do here if you had the powers? And then there's somewhat of a storyline going on with Jennifer Aniston where they're trying to make you feel bad for her and see that she's like that. So it probably goes against it if we're going comedy for comedy by the fact that it does have points where it's not trying to make you laugh. Yeah. Now, as Keenan said about it being one of the, probably the weaker ones in terms of a comedy, I do think it's quite different to most other things we've got in this list in terms of like you said there's a bit of a story and a bit of like a, a journey and trying to like learn a lesson in there whereas a lot of these yeah. films, there really is not it's not like about learning a lesson or whatever it's just how many laughs can we get in the space of an hour and a half or whatever yeah. <laughs> which probably leads us on quite nicely because if we go on to the next film and then we can come back and we can go into the quotes the scenes the moments that kind of thing mm. because sex drive is far more focused on delivering us a laugh every 30 seconds whereas it's probably not so thought-provoking as <laughs> Bruce Almighty is I, think you've I mean sure that, you yeah. can give us your reaction if you want uh, you weren't too well, impressed I, well I thought I enjoyed the first half hour I'd say I thought this is funny I was laughing but then after that, I felt like it went on too long. And then also, my overall view of it was that it was just kind of a straight-to-DVD film. That's just, <laughs> okay, too- you, can, you can tell it's pretty low budget, which I, I know it is, and you have to take that with a pinch of salt, but I, I just couldn't get into it at all. Yeah, two hours, nine minutes half, is, yeah, a that long, is, that is a long time for a comedy. Far, it was far too long. And I lost I lost interest in the story and, and, and lost it towards... Um, towards the end, like, but I, I understood the, the initial premise. I thought the first half hour was good, but then after that, I just thought I, I just want this to end. 
what what might make a, a bit more sense is um, I did some I did some looking back and uh, the director Sean Anders he way 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 back made an appearance on Joe Rogan's podcast with um, Tom Segura I know Keenan's a fan of and they made a film together which I could tell you but you'd you'd have to wait for it but anyway they start off and the first thing Rogan is kind of as he does he's done no research. <laughs> he, he all he knows is you've done a film with my friend haven't you and that's essentially how things kick off and then he says you've um how many films have you done now so i think he's a six at this point and he says the first one we did was uh sex drive and essentially they were trying to pitch this uh like storyline to all these film companies and none of them were taking it none of them were taking it and they went down the line and they were going to try and do a tv pilot and they were going to do the kind of teen comedy thing but they thought they could get a formula where if they can deliver somewhat of an idea then they have enough of a span to be able to go where they want anyway they got a call from uh, summit i believe it was just as they were kind of halfway through this tv pilot and they said look we really like the film and they were so in on this pilot that he says he kind of just tried to get them off the phone and he says look tell them I'll do it if I can direct it. And they come straight back and say, yeah, that's fine. And he says, okay, can you give us a month to write the script? So they literally rushed through this. Uh-huh. They got the script done. Sean Anders and John Morris are the two guys. And what you may find is Sean Anders says that he was largely responsible for the first half an hour, as Sean said. And then John Morris kind of does the meet between their their bits that they have. They have these bits that they're going to meet. So you have the donut scene at the end. You have, I guess, them getting jumped. You have probably the uh, abstinence part. And then the bits in between that, he's kind of filled in the gaps. And then they signed it off, sent it in, and it's gone from there. So that does make sense with what Sean's saying. Maybe you were a victim of me hyping it up too much because I think one of the the reasons why a lot of people like it is because you go in with fairly low expectations and for all the lack of a cohesive storyline or whatever, it does make you laugh. What I'd say as well is there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of that guy element in the in the film. There's loads of people that I've seen in loads of I don't know their names, but I've seen in loads of other comedy films. But I know <laughs> I know Seth Green, I know him, but then there's quite a few others in there that I didn't know their name, but I've seen him in so many other things. Well, I don't know what, what favors they pulled in because James Marsden had already done like a fair bit before this. Like I've done some for the lower kind of rated films like this, the ones that aren't big budget. I've got a little feature where we can see what they went on to do as to whether they this kind of kick-started them or did quite the opposite. But he, he'd he already been in TV shows. He'd been in other films. So he really didn't need this role. I mean, he was coming off the... He'd done two X-Men movies as Cyclops. He'd been in Zoolander. He'd been in Superman, Enchanted, Hairspray. Yeah, so I did wonder. In... I hadn't realised he'd been in like all those prior to this. I was thinking, I was looking, thinking like, is this like a starting point for him or or what? Because well, they say that a lot of it was um, 
he felt that he was a funny guy, but none of his roles had given him the, the kind Pretty of reins to do this. So I think this was like uh, when you got a five-a-side team with four decent players and one good one, and you just give them the ball and just let them do what they want. And he obviously took it and ran with it. Like the scene where they smashed the garage door. <laughs> it took my fucking baby. <laughs> he, he he wasn't um, supposed to smash the garage door. Really? Like he was meant to kind of like punch you or whatever. He wasn't meant to completely smash it. Like that was someone's garage door that they then had to fork up the cash for afterwards. That's so probably half the budget for this film. Yeah. <laughs> Hiring that car and paying for that garage. That the bit where he throws the air kick at the garage door is actually one of the best not the best is one of the best couple of seconds in the film. <laughs> It's funny you say about the, the car as well, because um, the car is actually uh, the, the car from the Fast and Furious 2001. Really? Yeah, they just did it I up. I thought I recognised that car, yeah. Yeah, they did it up and they, they changed, um, I think, the roof panelling. But, yeah, it's actually um, uh, the green Mitsubishi Eclipse that they've done up to look like something else. Oh, jeez. So... There's there's quite a few little things like that. Um, in the trailer park, the old man that has his uh, balls out, those aren't <laughs> actually his balls. Well, they say, no, sorry, they are his. They say that they're not prosthetic testicles we see because... Um, well, we said watching, actually, those those are balls. Those are actual yeah. balls. There's no faking going on here. They made up a, a prosthetic beforehand, and then he kind of said something. Mine are actually bigger than this. <laughs> and so they, I guess, they kind of said, look, I'm fine with it if you're fine with it. And he just let them plop out. I like that it was almost like an ego thing. So look, I'm not having people think I've got small balls. I'll get my balls out. It's fine. <laughs> Along with that scene, um, Sean Anders, the guy, the, the woman who's in the gas station is crying and then they go back to the trailer. That's actually his younger sister. Oh, right. Who's playing that? So he's filming the scene when she tries to defecate on Clark Duke. <laughs> and so Sean Anders is directing his sister there. And, um, I mean, she, she's half naked in the scene. And her mum was on set for that as well. Oh, wow. So they really had a family affair filming that. That was nice for them. Yeah. I like I like that the family's just committed to the film. Just go big or go, big or go home. Just, yeah, just let her do it. Next family function was an interesting one. Yeah. You guys been up to wow, spent a lot of time together. Well, they um, they filmed this, and when they did the kind of trial run where they bring in like a load of people from kind of different audiences to see it and say what they need to change, Universal came back to them, who kind of the the giant above something, and said, "This you you've got a winner here." So he said he was like counting up his money beforehand he was like every every guy has that one film and i've done it in my first film <laughs> and then they put it in the cinema and obviously not a lot will happen from there <laughs> so they just relied on it being one person passing it to their friend saying this is quite good and gone from there it was pitched to 11 studios before universal okayed it they said so there you go I think that if you if you if you know that before you watch the film, I think you can then understand a lot about <laughs> it. <laughs> I think that says a lot about the film. 
they, they didn't have much luck with body doubles either because uh, the the co-writer John Morris was slated to play uh, Clark Duke's nude body double when he's running away from the trailer. And then they said that his ass looked much older than Clark Duke's character. So he had to do it himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. It seems like... I quite like when you... Some of the background stories for this, like... It very much is someone calling in all of their favours. It does seem like it. Fallout Boy weren't going to appear in the film until Seth Green, who is a personal friend of them, persuaded them to do it. And so they jumped on board and that was what it took. I guess Seth Green is not... He must have been in some decent stuff before this, surely. He's a relatively name. Um, It looks like it was just completely horribly planned. <laughs> they shot most of it in Florida, and it's got some of the most special effects done for a comedy film. And it's because they decided they didn't want any palm trees in the background, so they had to kind of like CGI all of them out, despite filming the entire in, thing in Florida. In Florida, <laughs> would it not just be cheaper to find a back, to find the location you want? You, you go think, elsewhere. You would think so, yeah. I don't know how much CGI costs, but if you've got a two-hour and eight-minute film <laughs> and for however long you've got to try and cut out every palm tree, you're paying someone. I mean, there's so many someone. places in America that could be like anywhere, but they've decided to go to a place that's <laughs> quite iconic. With, with it being like two hours long, though, do you think the film is any better if you crop out like 20, 30 minutes? So I think it kind of is what it is, and whether you take 20 minutes off and add 20 minutes on, I don't think your opinion of it's going to change too much. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a fair point. But potentially if you have less of the feeling of this is drag- dragging on a bit now, maybe you remember this is more of a classic than we do, rather than a little bit like you said, where if you go in with no expectations like a lot of us did, it's a pleasant surprise. But if you're going in thinking, oh, this could be a bit of a sleeper, you can end up thinking that, okay, this just is what it is. It's not kind of like when some people say Michael Carrick's underrated and a lot of us watch him and just think, no, he's probably just rated. It's probably about fair. Might protect like Theo Walcott before he could uh, deliver truly. Yeah, maybe over overhyped, which is unfair on, uh, on the film. But not on Theo Walcott. <laughs> Hey, look at his numbers. I've got then... Well, I've got two critics' reviews from this, which I think sum it up quite nicely. So Camilla Albertson from the TV Guide said, all that matters is that it's funny, and it definitely is. And isn't that essentially what you want from a comedy? Absolutely. Yeah. Does that, then it's done its job. Yeah, depending on the subject matter. Like, I think, I mean, this, I mean, look at the title, Sex Drive. Yeah. All, all you want is it to make you laugh. You, you know, she, you sh- she went on to say, this movie doesn't contain offensive language. The offensive language contains the movie. Yeah, that's, I, I, I don't, this is, there's probably, might be, I think we might find four or five on, on the list, but this is one that if they pitch this, this script today, it just doesn't get made. Is this not like, what a teen comedy is though like if you look at say american pie american pie goes beyond kind of the realms of a teen comedy in that 
it does expect you to have somewhat of an emotional attachment to some of the characters to care about their decision making. Whereas this, you're meant to almost root for everything to go wrong just to see it all play out. Whereas you're not getting that. Like in Superbad, you are you are quietly rooting for Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah. Whereas in in this, you are very much just I just want to see what happens here, and that's yeah, kind of what teen comedy is meant to be. Because there's a story with both with both of those. So with American Pie, it's all about them losing their virginity, isn't it? And there's a story about all, Jim's obviously the most famous one, but there, there's stories of all of them. And then Superbad is kind of the same thing where they have the party and then they're going to, and then it's all about them getting there. Whereas, yeah, like you said, with this one, there's no... Well, we're going to get on to like, originality later. And the so-and-so wants to lose their virginity is literally a film kind of formula that is proven to work when you look at how many films have been made and they at least make a certain number each time because people know they're going to laugh. Yeah, if you chuck a 15 rating on it, it, for the majority of 15-year-old lads, that's what what the characters are trying to do is exactly what you're trying to do. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So you've just got a certain audience that are like, yeah, you know what, this is not all bad. I I could be this guy. You've got you're, you're pitching like these films that like Sex Drive, American Pie probably not so much super bad. They are mainly them marketing at teenagers, but it's basically just teenage lads. Isn't it? Like if the I stuff, see... stuff that's in it, it's supposed to be for, for for teenage lads. And the stuff about trying to get your end away is it's a very very common very common experience. If I see a teen comedy that's rated below a fifteen, that kind of puts it on the back mark for me before I even put it on. Because you know it's only yeah. going to be at a certain level. Where it's yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm sure it was Sean where we used to actively look for some of the worst films on Netflix to see where there was literally. I think there was a there was a section called like a late night comedy or something along those lines. There was. I remember <laughs> watching one where it was like, if these kids put this jacket on, then they were irresistible to women. <laughs> and they tried being like deep at the end, like, see, no one really wants this. Like they've just exposed like ev- everything everyone's thinking when I don't think anyone really wants flocks of people running at them like that Calvin Harris video. <laughs> there was another one called MILF, where it's essentially like the same size group as American Pie and they decide that because things aren't working with girls their own age then there's a gap in the market for them if they go for older women and it goes down the path where one of them decides to go for the, one of the other's mums and goes downhill from there but these are the films that used to be on Netflix and now Amazon Prime takes them instead <laughs> yes Amazon Prime probably missed a trick by not doing that little preview where when you hover over something. When you say, I mean, porn is the first thing that comes into my head when you say that. Um, Because all porn sites have that feature. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. Um, Everyone's quiet when they didn't want to admit. I'll give you then, where, where did they go? So we'll go through this and then We'll kind of cap this off with going through the best scenes and that kind of thing. So, Ian, so before Sex Drive, he'd been in uh, Austin Powers and Gold Member as Young Evil. So, that is Ian, if you go back and watch that. 
Wow. I wonder if he, um wonder if Seth Green being in both is, is just purely coincidental. Or yeah. if if they knew each other and he got the role. Because I, I I know you're gonna give me the I list, didn't but... get what um Seth Green or James Marsden had been in just because it kind of defeated the point of this particular segment in yeah. wanna see the good and the bad. But I, I said to you I was speaking about it the other night, Keenan, where it's very much a one and done film, but he was in Surviving Christmas as Brian Valco in 2004 with James Gandolfini playing his son. A lot of these have the same thing in common where they star in various episodes of CSI. Presumably someone that gets killed off. (laughs) CSI, Law and Order, just long running. You can just be chucked in for 10 minutes as a suspect or a victim or whatever it might be. And it's, it's it's a day or two's work. Josh Zuckerman managed to play various patients on House, so I really don't know how that works. But that's what his IMDb tells me. Wait, wait for the last one of these because you'll see how sex drive maybe wasn't a boost for some of these careers that they thought it would be. Fall from but, grace. Yeah, Josh Zuckerman he went on to become a regular in a TV show called Kyle XY. A TV show, it's got seven point five rating on IMDb. He was in twelve episodes of Desperate Housewives. And 26 episodes of 90210. <laughs> and then it really did go downhill from there. Amanda Crew, who was uh, Felicia. So before this, she was in Final Destination 3 as uh, Julie. She's one of the last surviving members of that film. She's Not the one who alive has... today, but in the film. <laughs> Is she the one who has the premonition when they're on the. No, the she's not. No. She, she's. They make her look like far more gothic in that than she does on here, but very much the same whingy character. <laughs> um, she was in She's the Man. She was in John Tucker Must Die. Not a huge part, credited as Hallway Girl. So. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't remember, gonna say, I don't remember that. <laughs> so, things are obviously on the down. She, she peaked with Final Destination 3 and then goes on and she was in... Uh, Sex drive, and after that, she had a minor little boost with um, the haunting in Connecticut, um, pronounced that horribly. Wendy, uh, Charlie St. Cloud, the what Zach Efron film, and yeah. um, she was in the TV show uh, Silicon Valley as Monica for five years. Ah, oh, it's not all bad then, no, exactly. Clark Duke Lance, so he was an extra in Super Bad, you'll you can find him in uh, the party. So if you go back and see that, you'll see him pop up. After Sex Drive, he was in Kick-Ass, Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, I'll skip past that before Keenan can say too much. Uh, he was in a film, a TV show, sorry, called Greek. He was in The Office for two years. Kick-Ass 2, he was in Two and a Half Men, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, and Bad Moms. And then finally... That's not a bad CV. No, he's done all right for himself. Already post-2008. Mm. We finally, we have um, Alice um, Gressin, who people will largely know as the Amish girl that Lance <laughs> manages to track down, or Mary, if, if you really want that. Um, and she went on to star in a short film called Kelly Brooks' Camel Toe Shows. What? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. All these careers didn't quite take off how they may have expected. That's Lance, probably had the best, Lance probably had the best one, though. 
Mm. Yeah, of sure. them. I mean, James Marsden and Seth Green did. <laughs> well, uh, Seth Green, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but they were kind of the the lesser ones. I've probably been a bit disrespectful to um, Clark Duke by putting him on that list. But there we go. <clears throat> Voice keeps uh, playing me up here. <laughs> if we get onto the judging criteria, then. Um, so we've broken this down, and we'll see how this goes this week. So if it's changed next week, then. You might see why, but we've got best soundtrack, rewatchability, best quotes, best moment slash scene, best side character, biggest impact, the most quotable, how original it was, who the MVP of the movie is and which you preferred. And then just a couple of little side points for afterwards. So if we go to best soundtrack, because I think this might be maybe a contentious one, I'm not sure. Who wants to go first? Which would you say? This is tougher than I thought it was going to be. This one. Both have got quite a decent soundtrack. Re- sorry, sorry, mate. I was going to say rewatching Bruce Almighty. One of the things I enjoyed most was the soundtrack. Yeah, I think it's got I... the most iconic as well, hasn't it? With the like, I've got the power thing was literally coinciding yeah. with the most iconic scene. Yeah. That, yeah, that was, that was what I was just about to say. And that's the way I like it as well. Yeah. yeah. A little less um, conversation. That's a, that was yeah. a, you had, one of You had a funk soul brother in there as well. Rockefeller yeah. skank. Yeah. yeah Unbelievable. Rockefeller skank. That being said, I was going to make the case for Sex Drive. I thought you might. What I'll say is, I think there's more high points than Bruce Almighty, admittedly. I think the consistency, if you go through Sex Drive, for the whole film, the, the best parts of the Bruce Almighty soundtrack are confined to about two scenes. This, it's got to give you some points that you actually have Fallout Boy in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that does get you pop, props, doesn't it? And Where Is Your Boy is one of the best Fallout Boy songs as well, I think, so even more props there. I did think that was kind of set driving in a nutshell, though, with the soundtrack, where... I thought it was trying to be the teen comedy in every aspect. Like every song was that way. Every sort of like scene was trying to be cut with, you know, trying to get a dick or some tits in there or something. <laughs> Everything was like the are, hey, the unrated one does lower the tone, but the theatrical cut is there's uh, there's about twenty minutes added on for the uncut when it's <laughs> at the start. We're going to make this worth your while, not just flog you a. This is the un, this is the unrated cut. We'll add in two F words and <laughs> an, an extra pair of boobs chucked in that on top of that. That is cute when they do that, isn't it? So I'm glad they changed it up. It's just like when they do director's cut and it's like an extra two minutes with like one longer shot. Yeah, sick of it. But you've got three Fallout Boy songs in here. You've got Time to Pretend by MGMT. You've got ACDC in here. You've got Mozart. <laughs> what? Yep. Plays on the radio. That Nasty Girl song by Nitty, which has been in my head since I watched it again two days ago, when he's uh, put his moves on the punch bag. <laughs> Can't fight this feeling, Ario Speedwagon. You've got some that consistency is, in this soundtrack. Yeah. But I wouldn't argue with the other way so I assume are we going to uh, put this down to a vote on each one yeah what happens so, if we've got we've got four what happens if we have a draw 
Yeah, I'm not sure on that. We might have to <laughs> kind of campaign for someone to agree or keep someone going with the draw about it. and see yeah, if we come enough. to the end. We might have to come back. So my vote will be for Sex Drive. Uh, is anyone with me? Speak now or forever hold your peace. I agree with you that it's more consistent, but um, Bruce's peak beats it, I think. I think it's, yeah. more tied in, it's more tied into your memory of the film. If um, people haven't been able to tell through this podcast, I am a big fan of the <laughs> Sex Drive film. So it was kind of like when you're watching a bet on the 365 like tracker and you have that your heart sink when you have Dangerous Attack. Each time I heard a song come on the Bruce Almighty soundtrack that I recognised, I thought... <laughs> Oh, this isn't good. <laughs> because I'd kind of, before watching it again, in my head was like, well, we've got a banker here. So we're nearly <laughs> there, boys. We've just got to get a couple more wrapped up and we're in. And obviously, it didn't quite go to plan. He's got a UFC bet on someone to win on points and he's just trying to hope and he doesn't get knocked out <laughs> in the final round. It, it is mental what a UFC bet can do because it will have you rooting for the lay and prey which oh, usually yeah, sure. you would detest. <laughs> You'll be watch- I've been watching like a DC fight and thought, please just take some money, make it boring as fuck. Everyone's booing and you're like, nah, this is great. <laughs> um, rewatchability. Sean, which are you going for? Well, I wouldn't rewatch, uh, rewatch <laughs> Sex Drive, so I think that gives wow. you the answer. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> I think it's worse that you'd rewatch Bruce Almighty, to be honest with you. I mean, I'll put, well, realistically, I wouldn't have. I doubt I'd have rewatched Bruce Almighty if it wasn't. Hey, don't disrespect the tournament, jeez. But but again, given, <laughs> given the choice, I mean, that's that's a surprise in the first place. It's the number one seed. I don't know how the seeding worked out uh, um, by revenue. But uh, yeah, so if I had to choose, then I would rewatch Bruce Almighty, and I oh, enjoyed right. rewatching it again. But I wouldn't watch that Sex Drive film again. I'll put my vote on the table now that I'm going to go for Sex Drive. TK, where does your vote lie? You know what? If I had to watch a film again next week, I might choose Sex Drive. Just because once you've seen Bruce Almighty, it, it, watching it yesterday was it was reminded that you've seen it now. There is there is no real reason to go. <laughs> whereas there's parts of Sex Drive I could watch again. I could find myself falling down like a, a rabbit hole with Sex Drive where you watch certain clips like you do with like the in-betweeners for example. Yeah. I could see myself doing that. Obviously with Bruce Almighty you're not going to do that so I'll say Sex Drive. Beautiful. Keenan, is it a tie or Sex no, Drive takes it? Sex Drive for me. Two hour and nine minutes of your lives that you're not getting back again. <laughs> Mate, I actually really like the film. I'm not like, I'm not fast <laughs> at all. I'd forgotten, like, it was, I watched it when it first came out, I was saying to Byron the other day, I'm pretty sure I got it out, out of Blockbusters on DVD. Uh, <laughs> like, this is how long ago we're talking, but I well, I quite liked it, and then I rewatched it, and I thought, yeah, this is still good. Yeah, TK, you mess- you messaged me when you were watching it, saying, like, I'm sure I've seen this before, but there's actually quite a few bits that you'd forgotten. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you did also text me, doesn't look like Sean's enjoying this, and obviously you were right. No, he, I think he'd vocalised at this point that he wasn't enjoying it. <laughs> so when I said it doesn't look like he's enjoying it, I think he'd open his head. I'm not enjoying it. <laughs> Sean, what are you putting down as the best quote 
Oh, best quote. Uh, um, see, Sex Drive might have this one, because the quote I've got for that is where he's like, well, the one I've got anyway is where he's like, I can't believe I'm banging an Amish chick. I mean, seriously, what the odds? <laughs> and, it's just the way, <laughs> and the way he looks at the camera as well, yeah. It's, it's, you have to get a look as well. That's my, that's my favourite one. So... Yeah, TK, so what, what for you um, was there one across oh, the sorry, team? Oh, sorry, yeah. I yeah. thought you were, you were saying for everyone. Open to the foot, but yeah. The, um, yeah, it's got to be Sex Drive. There, there was a few, but uh, one that really got me, it was relatively low profile, but was hilarious, was when um, he's lying to the girl about why he's going to see his girl, saying he's going to see his grandma, and he's going to, she has a bit of cancer. <laughs> 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 he's just lying to her he ends up saying foot cancer I think in the end yeah in the unrated version there is a bit where they have at the start where they're looking at the tits and the cock and he's gone that's great cock John and I was, <laughs> I was like, this is this is incredible on on the the review on I can't think I think it might have been Movie Geek where I was literally looking for all sorts of people's reviews and there was someone reviewing the difference between the uncut and the theatrical cut. And um, the only comment on there is, um, we saw plenty of cock in this, why no pussy, equal standards. Someone <laughs> has gone out of their way to be that outraged. <laughs> they've then um, put that down. On this, of all things as well. <laughs> Keenan, what have you got? I've got, a, I've got a couple, so I don't know if I can whip yeah. it down. Um, no, I... hit us with a couple. I've always liked the line about I wouldn't let I, I wouldn't let you drive drive the judge even if it was part of my snuts. Um, <laughs> it's, it's always cracked me. The bit with the co- uh, with the donut man with the copper where he pepper sprays him. He's like, oh, this this is Armstrong. <laughs> the big Mexican. The, the big Mexican won't go down. Like <laughs> 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 I'd forgotten that was even a quote in it, and that just that that wrote me off the other night. I was I, I had to force the film. I was laughing. Um, like just almost anything that comes out of Randy and Andy's mouth in that film. Yeah, tell a little banger for you if you're not into it. Yeah, hard. With our dicks. Yeah. Our dicks are huge. You can see them from space. <laughs> What's up? What's up? Yeah, uh, so the good. bit the bit where they're just sat outside the party and they're yes. just talking they're just talking they're just shouting shit and the random like random goes and he's just like, Yeah, I'm uncircumcised. <laughs> and <it just> goes, <laughs> yeah. I'm hearing my cock's hard and you're just like, what? Just honestly, I've, that little, that little. Minute, I've that written down um, uh, a little exchange between them where uh, he says, "Nice hair, yeah." He says, "It look great in my crotch." <laughs> and he says, "Our dicks are huge," and then it pans away, and he says, "You can see them from space." Yeah. <laughs> One of the, a couple I had, I had um, Ian, where he says, uh, "She's the type of girl to have a landing strip." I can't deal with a landing strip. <laughs> and then Lance says she can have anything a little Hitler was just a full nasty Chewbacca but I'm guessing she's maybe fresh <laughs> another one from Lance who says do you know what every girl ever banged that in common I wasn't friends with any of them and usually great tits <laughs> Rex saying there's no way my brother's taking it in the chili ring <laughs> And uh, him then turning out to be gay was just so yeah. just classic of that film. Um, you ever hear a rolling brown out? Got me. <laughs> Rumspringer, which I've had in my head as well, just the woo as well. And another exchange, um, probably the, the quote of all of them was, 
Rex saying, Ian, you're 18, you've never had a girlfriend. That's how people wind up getting gay, you know? <laughs> and Ian says, I don't really think that's how it happens. Dude. Tell me how it happens, you little cock expert. You're cocks, but which you like better, the shaft or the balls? <laughs> he says, that's gross. He's like, you like them both, don't you? Sometimes Tuesday, you want that big old shiny one on Wednesdays and Thursdays, you're onto the balls. <laughs> and it ends with, you can't choose, can you? That's a tough one. You love it. You're obsessed with it. Ian, you're 18 and you've never had a girlfriend. That's how people wind up getting gay, you know? I don't think that's really how it happens. Is that not how it happens? Tell me how it happens, expert. Fucking cock expert. Just because I remember obsessed being such a, such a thing, saying that someone was obsessed with something for even like the tiniest bit of interest. Well, you're obsessed with that. <laughs> not even that he likes it, he's obsessed with it. <laughs> so, um, that, that exchange cool. was... Is, my favourite, I think. I'd say for for Bruce Almighty, again, it'd be different reason for it being quotable, but like the way the cookie crumbles is quite. A, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like iconic with the film. It's not obviously it's not like crying. I was laughing. wondering whether B E A Utiful was a thing before Bruce Almighty yeah. or not. I don't think it was. Oh yeah, maybe not. Because I've got big. I've got that written down for in my quotes for Bruce Almighty because I just remember that being like that just being quoted constantly. And smite me, Almighty Smiter. Yeah, I've got that. I've never well. heard the word smite before, but knew exactly what it meant. <laughs> Him saying, "I'm Bruce Nolan for Eyewitness News." Back to you, fuckers. I'm Bruce Nolan for Eyewitness News. Back to you, fuckers. And I don't know if it counts as a quote, but the the middle finger flute when he says, "Do you like jazz, Evan?" <laughs> I can hold this. thing afterwards, the little I, like flute. I can hold this note all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, I mean, I I would give it to Sex Drive over the two, but there were some good yeah, quotes. Sure. Him him saying, uh, "I'm here with Catherine Hepburn's mum." Now tell me, why'd you throw the heart of the ocean jewel over the rail of the Titanic? <laughs> Feel bad or letting Leo drown? Were you a safe float on a big door? Would you have taken turns? Were you just afraid to freeze your big fat ass? Or... <laughs> so but it does look like Sex Drive is taking that one. Gets the nod. Best um, moment I've... slash scene. I've got to go now. I'm off. He's up. See you Are you like... joking? Can I, can I reel down and take your picks for each of these? Yeah, if you want to take them now. All right. Best moment slash scene. Who are you giving it to? Uh, I've got sex drive on this when Lance is tied to the bed. <laughs> if you give it best side character, who are you giving it to? Uh, Seth Green. Agreed. He is a great Bigger impact. Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Most quotable? Uh, I guess that's the same. Sex drive. Well, yeah, we've, yeah, we've almost was, covered that, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, I was kind of. I thought there would be like a standout, and then which one? Well, I'll be yeah. maybe it'll apply to some of the other ones. Um, originality. Uh, I've got Bruce Almighty on that one as well because yeah. it's. Um, which did you prefer? Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Almighty. And uh, finally, who's your MVP across two films? Because this is going to count to the I, final MVP. Yeah. I think you have to give it to Bruce because it's the only person who, if you take him out of the film, then then there is no film. Whereas you can take other people out of other characters in that film, but other characters in Sex Drive as well, and you could still have 
film. So right, I think you have to vote. give it. That's a vote for Bruce. See you on the other side, brother. See you on the other side. Shall lost reference. Shall I've never seen, seen it. No, I've never seen it. Has he gone? I mean, obviously, that must be more important, but hey, you know the <laughs> real ones are here. We'll go through the rest. Are either of you two short for time or not? No, I'm good, mate. I'm good. No, that's fine. That's what I like to hear. So, where were we? We were on best moment slash scene. If we if we do it for both films and then you can pick a winner afterwards because there's quite a lot of uh, good ones, isn't there? So if we start with Bruce Almighty, what would you say is the best moment or scene? Making the gang member shit a monkey out was a... Yeah. <laughs> that was a good moment. And it going back up. I forgot it went back up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they were just about on the borderline for their 12-day rating. That. <laughs> I think that's why they cut some of the other stuff out because I think accumulatively they would have just gone over the, over the mark. Do you? Uh, I, I seem to remember it being a thing where um, they kind of confirmed that for a 12 or 12A, you were allowed one F-bomb. That's and correct. I always thought that was someone's idea, like just to see how creative they could be with it. Because <laughs> I remember is... the Die Hard, like, most recent one was a 12A, and you knew where it was going to be used. There is um, there is a film, and I cannot remember what film it is, but I'm, it's one of, there is a film about making a film where that is referenced. The Disaster Artist. No, before this is years ago. Um, but there's a film about making a film where it's referenced that you can only swear once and they just throw it in. I think, I think it might be, be cool with John, uh, John Travolta, the okay. follow up to get shorty. Um, I'm not sure if that's right, but they do, they, they, they talk about it and they just swear once and then they sort of like break the fourth wall and look at the camera and it's like, it's almost like a little, a little nudge, like, do you see what we did? But I do think, <laughs> I, I, like, I do think that that was a thing. Oh, is a a twelve A still a thing? Yeah, I think they just kind of abandoned twelves. The first twelve A was Spider Man. Bit of trivia there. The I remember there being yeah, I remember there being a a thread on uh, Reddit that kind of made its way to Instagram there, where they said if you could put one f bomb into Lord of the Rings, where would you where would you do it? And some of them were incredible. (laughs) The bit where Gandalf falls away, I just want him screaming fuck. (laughs) <laughs> as he falls down, as he falls off the cliff, I'd be like, it would seem fair, wouldn't it? Yeah. There's ever a time to use it. I suppose he knows he's gonna. Does he know he's gonna come back? I, I, I don't really like Lord of the Rings. I'm sorry. Lord is TK, so oh, yeah. together there. <laughs> I'm not in a minority for once. I get so much abuse <laughs> for that. Some bit. of the another moment from Bruce Almighty. I remember it being um, the moment with Jennifer Aniston saying, "Do my boobs look bigger to you?" That was in the trailer, and that was like one of the main selling points, just having Jennifer Aniston front and centre. They know what they were doing. Yeah. yeah. They're nobody's fool. Um, best moment, or best scene, the meltdown scene, where you with Cat with Niagara Falls. Mum. Yeah. yeah. So I think that, it's only a little bit, and I think it's probably quite, I don't know, it's probably quite forgettable to a lot of people. Um, but the bit where he wakes up on Everest, and he's they're talking, and he, Bruce asks him a question, <laughs> And he's like, no, you couldn't do that if you're dead. Um, and he's like, well, I'm dead. And he's like, no, no, just, just mess with me. That, that, that used to kill me. He says, um, he says, you should watch more National Geographic, but I can't suppose, I suppose you can't do that as soon as you're dead. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> do 
says, I'm dead, and he's like, no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, I, I always, I always like that. I always thought that was quite funny. Yeah, I guess Evan kind of losing control is that was the main scene I remembered when I thought of Bruce Almighty. The main scene I remembered was the was the bit where he first gets his powers. Yeah, he snaps, that's it, he, he snaps the hy- the fire hydrant and then he lifts the he lifts the woman's skirt up. Yeah, he definitely could lifts do that. Dress up, sorry. If no, you go on IMDb, the only question on there is who's the woman whose skirt gets lifted up when Bruce wow. gets his powers? <laughs> it's fair. Did she give oh. consent to this? <laughs> that's another Morgan Freeman conversation, but yeah. <laughs> we're actually done for that last year. Sheesh. He he apparently is like a, a a nightmare to deal with. Not going to slander his name too much, but if you kind of the Google, he doesn't look good. No, but there was there's a thing, and if you look at some interviews where they speak to the director about this and say like, oh, what was it like working with um, Morgan? And they kind of he'll give an answer like, you have to be on your A game because if if you show any sign of weakness, then uh, Morgan's going to be wanting to pounce on it. And apparently, he's he's a proper. Like, yeah, there's, there's, they, rec- they recalled um, on the first day on set, uh, Jim Carrey coming up behind him and kind of patting him on the back to introduce himself. And supposedly Morgan Freeman replied, make, saying, uh, make that the last time you ever touch me. <laughs> Jeez. And I can imagine him being quite scary if he needed to be. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, I mean, he's still about 70 by the time that that comes up. I mean, more, it was scary for your career, maybe, but I mean, he's he's almost an octogenarian by the time this, this <laughs> comes out. So, I mean, he's not, like, I don't mean to disrespect Morgan Freeman, but he's not exactly going to be throwing hands, is he? <laughs> um, let's be honest. <laughs> Any other scenes for um, this one, or is that the highlights, would you say? Oh, Him pulling on the moon was quite cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. true. I always like the bit with the cookie um, where she gives the wrong answer, where she says, oh, the health, the health inspector find big rat, uh, rat <laughs> and so oh, there was a big chocolate. And then he's like, let's try it again. And then she talks about um, the oh, to make all the children in the neighborhood smile. And the bloke in the back goes, I, w- I work in back. I see no smiles. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, always used, that always used to crack me as well. And he still did as I rewatched it. I still think of Morgan Freeman in the South Park episode where every time he explains something, he earns another freckle. They said that's why he's covered <laughs> so many freckles. If we go on to, I mean, we've we've covered some of uh, the moments when we've done when we've done the quotes there, but if you could count it as like a moment slash scene, I mean, Rumspringer as a whole is just incredible. The whole thing, them coming in. Even even the drive, the, I say drive, but them on the carriage on the way in, where Ezekiel's playing dumb about what the internet is and what the phone and what a phone is, um, and he's recalling um, his time with a woman in Vegas, and he's saying, and then she was crying, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Lance is looking like Jesus. <laughs> it wasn't quite. I, I think there's a deleted scene. I think where and if, if you ever get the chance to watch it it's on YouTube um, but it's, it's that scene and then they, they talk about him Lance just says to him how old are you and he just goes oh I'm old enough and he just <laughs> then, then he just grab, puts his arm around him and just grabs him in and then Lance tries to jump out of the carriage and he just pulls him back in and they start like laughing I think it's in the credits 
Oh, is it? Yeah, and they they just start like they start pissing themselves, and I, it's I in watched the actual that. film. Not it, oh, there we go. I was watching it yesterday, and it was it actually happens. You're like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> it was like they did, like you said, a cut of it. Did I miss that? that that'll be um, the unrated one where yeah, they just kind unrated. of spliced oh, that, it in. That, <laughs> that would be why because I didn't watch the unrated one, but I watched just watched the theatrical version. But I know I've I've seen it before, and I watched it on I I watched it on YouTube. I just I, thought that even for an unrated thing, this is. This is crazy. This is basically like a blooper, and they've just left it in. They did that um, when he pulls up the garage as well, don't they? Where he says he says a line, and then they pan to the side, and there's people laughing alongside. <laughs> um, I yeah, the garage scene is is up there for me. Like yeah. the, I, now that I know, it's actually better now that I know he's just improvised <laughs> it because I didn't know that until yeah, like, yeah. right at the start, and just for him. Just to be in the moment, just to start ripping off and throw it like the one the one air kick where he just sails underneath it, like it just make, makes me makes me laugh and oh, I do I like tr- the build. I tried finding. Um, I thought someone on the internet would have put together like how many different slurs Rex lose Rex uses for the whole of the film, but disappointingly, the- no one has uh, done it. In that first bit, there's what there's like, there's like, like eight like, or nine where in 60, 70 seconds. Yeah. He's um, literally like the most quintessential older brother who's yeah going wild on him, isn't he? I think it's unfortunate for him that he has a vague like resemblance of Stifler in that if yeah. you're in a teen comedy with that kind of role, you are just going to be told that you're imitating Stifler. Yeah, and you're always which is probably why he tries sure, amping it up even more. Mm. That that's the way you you can't. That's that's the way to beat it. Really, it's either to go way over the top, yeah, or you can be phenomenal. <laughs> or the or the scripts just got to be ridiculous. Mm. Um, is, Ezekiel telling Ian that the car's fixed um, is maybe my favourite scene of when he's saying, "I mean, uh, yeah, it's a lot of work <laughs> we spent you now. It's amazing." Days, and he's going, well, I, mean, "I can't pay you." So right, we'll hold we'll hold our breath. So you come back. <laughs> I love that bit. Um, <laughs> he takes the breath and taps his little wrist. I so I good. really like the bit where he's like, oh, it's, it's forty two hundred. I could have called it forty two hundred with parts and labour. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh right. Um, I mean, I, I can't I can't pay you. And he's like, and he's like, oh right, okay. And he's like, yeah. I mean, that's that's what we love. Just fixing other people's shit. For yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, isn't it? After the credits, they have him speaking to Fallout Boy, and he's like, oh, five songs set. I mean, <laughs> Well, that usually cost. I mean, oh, how much would you have lost if uh, you hadn't been able to play any shows? I mean, adding that up, <laughs> and he points at um, what's his name from the band. He's like, "I love your dick on the internet, by the way." <laughs> but that for me, the the whole Rumspringer as a whole, but specifically him telling him the car's fixed would be my favourite scene across both. That is films. great. Which which film would your um, the whole scene with scene um, oh sorry the whole the whole scene with the when he's got the, in a donut costume at the end with the gun being pointed and stuff yeah <laughs> he shoots him in the leg all hilarious and then obviously perfect scene comedy you have a bit of a cat fight in there as well one of the bits that got I probably could have covered this in quotes and as well in fairness at the end when it's all like dispersing. And the cops are uh, speaking to Andy and Randy, and they're like, <laughs> "Yeah, we we were just banging on the back of that car." <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, yeah, you already told me that twice." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> it's brilliant the fact that they've literally named them Randy and Andy. <laughs> yeah. Because it's literally taken no effort whatsoever. What should we call it? Oh, okay, yeah, that'll work. I also like uh, talking to those two. I also like the bit where they're in the they're in like the shopping arcade at the beginning. Yeah, talking, yeah. Talking, talking through. Uh, I also I just like the bit where where Lance just goes, "Why have you always got to wet the mouth when you talk to me?" Uh, just, like, he always watching that with a donut. I know it's childish, but I was laughing at that every time I was watching that film. Um, but then they when they're talking to the girl who's trying to raise money for for the charity. Yeah. Like, like, oh, do you want a party? Um, guys, get class. Um, I've forgotten how funny just by watched it yesterday the the, the copies taser in <laughs> donut <laughs> you say that again it's just crap yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. That, that's possibly that's possibly my favourite scene it might be that's close to being the best scene out, out of the two films and it's just 50% of that is just solely for that line where it just shouts the big Mexican won't go down <laughs> so, <laughs> so across the two which would you two vote for as the film that has your favourite scene? Definitely Sex Drive, I think. Yeah, yeah Sex okay. Drive. So, bit, uh, best side character then. For Bruce Almighty, Evan was probably as close as I could think, but they kind of... I think that's where Bruce Almighty lets himself down, you know, in terms of, like, the other characters are just... It's like a redundant. play, isn't it? There is where nothing you have, else like, three, four characters. It's literally Bruce and God, and that's it. Even Jennifer Aniston's character doesn't have anything to it. She's whingy. Yeah, she's just whingy. They use they don't use Steve Carell at all. Obviously, I know he wasn't like you said wasn't Steve yeah. Carell as it was then. But there was even like people in like a uh, sort of like within his work. If you had a film now, people in his work would be like a bit snidey or something. You'd have a comedy character in there, but they didn't have anything, did they? Do you not think it's weird to have Steve Carell there and not and be filming for that long and like not pick up that he's dynamite? Like you would think but it would take quicker than two years after. Yeah, definitely. We have got a winner here. But he has got that sort of like nearly straight man about him, though, hasn't he? So if he was playing a fairly straight role, maybe he just wasn't... Oh, I mean, mean just more so like just for afterwards. Like, it seems weird that he kind of took a bit of time and then someone that's been on the set with him. He was on... uh, I don't know what I saw. I'm just, just doing a quick Google. So I just wanted to know... He was uh, he was on the Daily Show with John Stewart from ninety nine to two thousand and five. Well, doing yeah, just comedy. I guess he would have, what doing probably would have been a writer. Then, no, he was he was he was a he was a correspondent. So do you know? Uh, so John uh, Stewart, okay. John, um, John Oliver went on to be the be a correspondent after I can't think if there was someone in between, but John Oliver went to be a correspondent, and then Trevor Noah was a correspondent for a while. And then took over from him, yeah. Yeah, and then he took took over. But I don't know if you've ever seen clips of it. You might might have done. Yeah, yeah. Um, but sort of they shoot from like like you would like a real in quotes or oh, sorry a real foreign correspondent on the BBC where it's Keenan Bonner reporting live from Iraq. They shoot shoot it like that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. putting that on our next intro. <laughs> <laughs> Please do. It's a new segment it. we've got. Bad news, Keenan. You're, uh, you're going out. <laughs> Deadline um, day. You, you're going to Stoke <laughs> or Iraq. I'm reporting to you live on the Strip. We're fighting for the Iraq gig instead of going to Stoke. I'm not going there again. Can he do it in a cold night on Bas- in Basra? <laughs> Always gives us that on um, Peep Show where um, 
Jez says to Johnson, he's like, you watch the news constantly. He's like, to make it more interesting, Mark roots for Israel and I go for Palestine. Just, you know, just pick sides. <laughs> um, yeah, Corral was, was a correspondent. So I think he, he, and he was, I think he'd been on Saturday night. He'd been on Saturday Night Live by then as well. Because um, he was first on Saturday SNL on, in 96, according to this. Um, so I was just having a look at what else he had done. Uh, but I do get it, like, a big film, as in, like, a big film break, you've got to say, it, it is a 2005, there was a 40-year-old virgin, I, th- I think he's there, he's got little, obviously, this role in Anchorman, where he's a pretty good, he's a very good side character yeah. in that, but then that, that's that, and then he goes on to do Little Miss Sunshine, uh, and then he's in Over the Hedge, and then obviously they give him the big budget role in Evan Almighty. Mm. Um, as a side character for Bruce Almighty, I don't know if you want to tie this in with God, but the homeless guy. Oh, yeah, that's a good bit, point. A little bit out of the box, but the the signs obviously help move the film along and they capture the tone. Yeah. Life, yeah. Is ju- sure. life is just and yeah, who you've fallen check. and stuff would be my pick for Bruce Almighty. Who who would your pick be? So if I was to assume that narrowing it down for the side characters... If it's looking like it's going to sex drive, mm. if you, would you cast Randy Andy as one character? Because for me, really, t- between them and Ezekiel is a, is a tough one. There's a clear winner there. He's so got Seth Green winning. Yeah, oh, by by a landslide. If it was, if it was, <laughs> I don't if think a, it's a landslide, but for me, it is. Right? If it was a fight, it would be an early stoppage. <laughs> I, 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 I think he's the best character in the whole film. Well, we've got MVP coming up. No, not to jump the gun, but I, I, I think it's just perfectly Seth Green. They just let him. All they've done is chuck a wig on him, a wig and a hat on him, and go, "Yeah, Seth." And you <laughs> just, you just have a conversation, and it's just per- the sarcasm and the timing of ev- almost everything he says is brilliant. Did you watch the credits where they Lance has uh, a beard on like him when they when they're married at the end? Yeah, he's got it in. in <laughs> um, but I think the Randy and Andy compilations on. YouTube, uh, great. Uh, all last night when I was editing some bits together, we I kept trying to kind of click back to one bit, and all I kept typing was for nature, for nature. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you should totally ban it. It's like, yeah. it's my friend. He's like, we'll ban it for you. Like <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna accept the deal. <laughs> I would probably agree with you. Best side character does have to be Ezekiel but I did want to make the case for uh, Randy and Andy I thought I'd have the opposite when I came on today I thought people would say Randy and Andy and I'd have to make more of a case for Seth Green so this is lovely yeah. no, he's, he's, he's phenomenal mate. he's unbelievable in that film just nails the passive aggressive yeah, yeah. Like, it's so good like, from the moment you meet him to the end of the film he's, it's fantastic have you seen Entourage the film, but not the TV show. The TV show, because the TV show, um, one of kind of the the beauties of it is um, their incorporation of like other celebrities in his cameos. Yeah, and they bring him in, and he has like a whole role being an asshole trying to take uh, E's girlfriend, but he's <laughs> kind of like just a more aggressive version of himself. <laughs> on, in the show he's on there for two years just popping up oh, right. and every time it's like uh, oh, I can't stand Seth Green 
yeah, they've got. I sorry, I remember reading this, um, but after I watched the film, just to see if I was going to watch the TV show, and I do remember reading that they're like randomly rivals. But he's he plays like a little bit passive aggressive in that as well. Yeah, like they make him a more successful version. Of yeah, him, obviously, um, he's even uh, passive aggressive in Scooby Doo. <laughs> there's a, a lesson to be learned about Seth Green. He's got. <laughs> if 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 Scooby Doo was a film for an adult that ends with Seth Green murdering people, <laughs> like he's a, he's an actual full blown serial killer. That character <laughs> creepy. I like looking at his IMDb because it looks like, and it might be convenient to say it like this: like he'd refuse to be tied down, so he can literally just flick between and do whatever he wants to do. Some of the like things on his list like he's gone from star wars to family guy to godzilla guardians of the galaxy teenage mutant ninja turtles and then some other weird like crazy ex-girlfriend mary and jane spider-man broad city all sorts of random things that he's just gone decided that he's just going to go wherever he wants but I, well, maybe I, i'm looking I, at it positively well no i mean that's probably right I, I think he does does he not do a lot of the writing for um robot chicken as well yeah that's all up on his list i was looking at what he'd starred in is that uh, no? I know, but does that not um, that probably because I mean that's still for the right audience. That's still fairly massive now. Like a, a good few million people are watching that worldwide. So it probably gives him. Yeah, he's executive uh, produced 154 episodes. That's what I mean. Oh, so he, he's probably get he's probably making enough from that. But he, once you reach a certain level and you've got you're secure, you've sort of got the ability to go and do and flit around and do as you please. Whereas if you if you don't know where the next check's coming from, you get you get tied into something, don't you? Yeah, yeah I said exactly. before that I was late to the game with Family Guy because, like with a lot of things, I set up such a border there that I couldn't go across it quite easily, having uh, slated it for so long. But when I was watching it yesterday, it's quite good uh, to watch while you're having your dinner. But they're all just shouting things out when something's going on. And uh, Meg says, and by the way, Bad Mums 1 and 2 is out now on DVD. And the crossover <laughs> like that, to be able to <laughs> sneak that in for Mila Kunis. <laughs> Crap me up at the time. Biggest impact, so is anyone going against uh, Bruce Almighty there? No, it has to be, doesn't it? I think yeah, by sex really drive having the least revenue on the list, yeah. it would be hard yeah. to say it's had the biggest impact. Yeah. Um, We've kind of done most quotable, haven't we? Yeah. I all okay, agree- um, Excuse me. All agreed that that just goes to sex drive. Yeah. Mm. Originality, that very much has to be to Bruce Almighty. I don't think sex drive is trying to kid itself and be original. No, I think they know they're not, don't they? Yeah. No, so they've got, they've... Sorry. No, I was only going to say they know, they've got a formula that they know works. Yeah. So you just take take that on, don't you? You can imagine they probably had a checklist that they were just ticking off as they went. Definitely. It probably was. Yeah. Can we get a cock or something in there? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Can we get an embarrassing sex scene in? Yeah, done. And then you, you just go from there. When I was doing my uh, internet research, there's actually a Reddit thread for someone who was an extra on Sex Drive. And they <laughs> explain about, like... He That's basically a great story. Was, he was basically paid to be a stand-in. So when all of these stars so they're not just stood still for 20-30 minutes while they set up a shot these guys are basically brought in to be the similar height to whoever is in the scene or whatever and have similar skin complexion or whatever <laughs> and then just stand in their place while they get the lighting right he was saying he was getting he would get like 
a hundred dollars a day to be a stand-in. They'd be doing like twelve-hour days, but he basically just wants to be in and around acting in LA and Florida. What fucking gig? So he said that like Seth Green had time for everyone. Like he was just hilarious, and they say that he kept kind of cracking jokes at Fallout Boy, which I guess makes sense now that we know that he knows them and they were his friends to be there. Yeah. But they say he just worked his way around the set, just kind of making jokes at everyone. Working the room. I'm glad that that's the case. Like, yeah, I, glad I, he's I, not an asshole. No, yeah. I, you, you want Seth Green to be a nice guy. He just see, not seems like, like Morgan Freeman. Yeah, so we've outed Morgan Freeman and promoted <laughs> to Seth Green. Stop this vendetta against Morgan. <laughs> I want us to cover one of these films uh, that's kind of so underappreciated that we can just get one of these guys on the podcast to defend it. <laughs> we get some research and I just go out to bat for it. You're telling I me mean, Bruce Almighty had a bigger impact. Me, when me and Troy were chatting, we were saying that now that we've crossed into the film world, people are shuddering in the entertainment industry at the <laughs> impact we could make. That all of the films that we've spoken about on the podcast to literally go back and watch them and do an episode on just how bad and how weird some of these things were because no one else is doing this at all and some of them look unbelievable surf ninjas Christ which Troy said he wants a reason to watch again (laughs) (laughs) you're going to need a reason because you can't do it of your your own volition he said he was going to have to uh, tell his missus Look, this is work, all right? <laughs> a, co- a COVID-19 lockdown, is that not reason enough? <laughs> yeah, yeah. All you gotta if do you is... don't watch it now, it's never getting watched. Listen, love, we've got another six weeks to kill. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just start. Who who would your MVP be if Bruce Almighty, TK? It's it's literally just by default got to be Bruce, isn't it? No, because I said there's nothing I would have given it to God. I would have given it to God. But... I actually feel like even like we said we said because they've got to cater for a certain audience and because they've potentially got to be careful I thought both characters could have been more extreme yeah I thought I thought God was a relatively just sort of standard I thought they could have made him more funny as in could have kind of bullied Bruce a bit there was nothing else to it I don't know and I, I overlooked take... that Bruce commits suicide by being on his knees and getting ploughed by a lorry it's a, it's a, if you, if I don't, I always took it as, it seems it's almost an accidental suicide. Like he has yeah, like I was going to say, he not realise It's not, because he's looking at, and then it, like, you I can call it an accident, kneeling in the middle of the road. No, I understand that. You're, what... asking for, you're asking for trouble, but it's not, it's not <laughs> like you've seen him lock eyes with, with the truck driver from a hundred yards away and then then get on his knees. He's already there as it's coming towards it's him. It's like Cameron in That's... Ferris Bueller. He stood, he stood on the <laughs> railway track rather than jumped in front of the train. Um, is probably a close, pro, close, close example. It's a good point you bring up, though. Actually, that's one of the best quotes on that, isn't it? He says to him, "What is it? You can't, you can't you sit can't. on your knees in front of a truck and not expect yeah. to die." <laughs> that's a good point. I like the different variations of heaven there. Like they've they've had free reign there, and they've literally just done like a beam of white light. Not like Harold and Kumar, where. Uh, <laughs> NPH is in heaven and gets sent down for stealing Jesus's birds. <laughs> you can you can get away with that in Harold and Kumar. I mean, Bruce Almighty for the tone and what he's trying to be. 
you can't go too controversial on any depiction of heaven, can you? <laughs> like you, you can't. You, it's okay if you're like if you are. If that's what you're going to be, and you're going to be controversial, like Harold and Kumar from the beginning, and be outrageous, it's fine. You can't randomly just chuck it in and upset out <laughs> x amount of Christians. It's not. <laughs> do I? It ain't worth your time. Do I need to ask who your MVP is, Keenan? For sex drive. No. Uh, this suffering is Ezekiel. TK? Yeah, yeah, I think he's got to get the nod, doesn't he? I'm actually going to go for Lance. He would be. He'd probably be second. You don't want to know my feelings on Lance? Go on. I've, I've got a weird. Casting him because he, he, he couldn't be pulling that off. Yes, yeah. If we were talking about recasting or whatever. I would probably want him out in terms of... We've got that to come. It is fundamentally <laughs> not really believable that he's like banging these birds. But <laughs> I mean, but, I know that the premise of these things is that these guys do tend to end up sort of punching above, but he, when he's sort of talking to him about all these experiences, you're sort of thinking, like, I'm not really buying that. I'm kind of thinking he's lying. <laughs> yeah, Which partly is... That, I guess that's part, part of the fun, isn't that, Yeah, yeah. But... <laughs> In on in like the opening party where uh, he walks into the room where that bird was with Ian before, and he says, "Hey, move over. Let me get some of that action." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I also so, like the bit where he sort where they're talking, and he's like, "Look at those two. and he's just like, "Yeah." He's just like, "But nothing ever comes of it," and he's just like, "Yeah, they can't close." And he's just supreme <laughs> confidence. Just he's walking, strolling around with that awful paisley shirt, like almost like little, <laughs> almost like a little cravat. Glasses. See, like when when that gets introduced, I kind of feel like right, they're both going to be losers here. He's got this persona, but he's going to be like Finch, where yeah. he's got this whatever, but he's just going to be going around with like delusions of grandeur. But that's it; he doesn't have anything. And then you're I kind guess... of meant to expect. Actually, no, no, no. He does get all these women. Well, comedy movies do essentially tell you if you're confident, then that is it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nothing else matters. Which is a great selling point for comedy because, I mean, they're trying to be funny and if you can push the message, it's great to be funny. <laughs> all, like, all you got to do is be funny. Then it's, it's brilliant. Um, the, it's, it's quite a good message. I do get, visually, Clark Duke probably doesn't fit the role, but I do really like him. Like, I love him in Hot Tub Time Machine. Apparently, he was a great guy as well uh, on the set. Uh, he seems like a, He just seems like a sweetheart. I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, um, so I, I, tell, me, t- tell me he doesn't. Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> <He> does. <laughs> when he's comforting the brandy. So we've done. Uh, actually, which which did you prefer? We uh, we haven't ticked that off. For everyone, now, so I'll ask. I'll rewatch ability, but I don't know if that's the same thing or not. No, I no. prefer a film, but not find it rewatchable. Yeah, yeah. yeah Some of my favourite films, I I wouldn't rewatch that many times. So, which which uh, did you prefer, TK? Tough, because I'm. I did. I did watching Sex Drive back. I did think this has gone on a little bit too long, but I did enjoy it. Whereas Bruce Almighty, I thought. Is obviously a better film, better put together and stuff, but I'll probably stick with Sex Drive in terms of it had more laugh out loud moments and a bit more rewatchability. It's probably a little bit unfair in terms of it's probably more the type of film I'd probably be tempted to watch rather than 
Bruce might have been more mushy, isn't it, with him getting back with Jennifer Aniston, etc. Yeah. Keenan, I know which one you prefer. I know which one I prefer, and we definitely know which one Sean prefers. So uh... <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I I do think, as I say, in this this matchup, in terms of which do you prefer, TK's TK's got it pretty much spot on. The humour wise, a a it's it's funnier more often, or there is more laugh out loud moments, but also the humour is just a bit closer. Is a bit closer to home for me. So yeah, sex drive. We couldn't get much more of a stars make fight here, can we? We've got a, yeah. a slugger, a slugger, and a slickster in there. Can I <laughs> just check? Um, if you had to have like one MVP across the films, would you have taken your pick for Bruce Almighty or Sex Drive? No, I'm taking Ezekiel. Yeah, I thought we'd already said that. Well, I, I took one for each, but I didn't know um, if you had like an overriding um, one. Which, which yeah, one. Uh, what, if we if we're pushing one into the next round. Um, well, more so just to see who wins the category, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ezekiel yeah. wins that, doesn't he? So it's... It's a 7-3 win in favour of Sex Drive there. A lamp Heading like into it. the next round, where I think it's... I'll check before we close off the episode to uh, confirm that properly. So just the, just the last couple of um, talking points, I guess, for each one. Um, real star of the film, I, I think we've made our thoughts pretty clear on Ezekiel there and Jim Carrey would you say there's not much debate he is the star of the film in this one yeah you, I don't think you can take him out can you no if you could recast one role in each film who would it be and who would you kind of recast them as I've already said I'd recast Lance I do feel bad who would you have play Lance that's the that's the thing, isn't it? I'd I'd, I'd recast God in um, Bruce Almighty, and I would have, someone like Jack Nicholson would be a great shout. Someone who's going to be pretty horrible to him. You stole I, it, you stole it from me. That was going to be my shout. <laughs> it was genuinely was um, would would love to see him as God. Because scene with Freeman is too nice in the film, which is ironic considering we've said what cunt he is. Even even if <laughs> I just like I just like Jack Nicholson's energy levels. Even if you just same dialogue, just his, just in the fact that whenever you see if you see him in his later films, he just is fucking looks insane. Just that as God, I think, just brings a different would bring a different energy. Like, to even I with the same lines, it'd be completely different, wouldn't it? Yeah, just it's his en- his energy. Um, and and that just as God, I think would make it. I don't know. I think it would make it a more entertaining film because Morgan Freeman is good as as God because he's is almost serene. Like everyone, the bloke's voice is world famous as as being sort of calm and relaxing. But to bring in a crazier, almost like um a doc a, a Doctor Scott vibe out of um is it Doctor Scott from Back to the Future? Um. Whatever the Doc do- yeah. Brown, sorry, um, Doc Brown, yeah, he's yeah, just great Scott. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Um, but that sort of older, wiser, crazy bloke, that that energy, I think, would have been interested. My other one for Bruce Almighty would be maybe not so much in two thousand and three, but I would quite like Paul Rudd as Bruce. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah, I thought I was quite pleased with that. If if you can hear me out here, um, oh no, if we replace God. With um, Nicolas Cage. Wow. <laughs> um, well, no, I, I thought 
although the times don't work, um, if we could have had um, Prime Marlon Brando as God welcoming into heaven, but it would be a far more laid-back film. So I'll stick with Nicolas Cage, actually. I like <laughs> the idea of that. Like the meme of him doing that face. And in, um, <laughs> in Sex Drive, who did, did you say who you'd replace Lance with, CK? No, I was, the thing is, like, if you could get him before he was in his first big film, something like... I was going to say something like Ashton Kutcher, but you're kind of stealing it then, aren't you? I'd but like... Um, that sort of mould where he's, he's kind of good-looking, but he's got a comedy sort of quality to him as well. But you could replace Ian, in all honesty. Yeah, Ian, as much as I think he's done a great job, Michael Sarah as Ian. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. That sort of character, you can... I think he, he's basically just playing himself in Superbad. He's playing the same character as he is in Superbad there, isn't he? Yeah. A bit um, more... It, a bit like more the, almost the, the same role. My other suggestion was um, a replacement for Lance. And I, st- I still think if you have him as too good looking, then it's not going to work. No, there so is a balance, isn't there? I think if you take Coaster from Project X and you put him in his Lance, a bit more believable. You know what? That's actually an excellent shout. That's it. That is a great shout. But he's again, not, he's not too uh, of a, like a well-known face either. No, I don't know if I've ever seen him really in anything yeah. else. He's in Office Christmas Party, if you've seen that. He's in what, sorry, mate? Office Christmas Party, if you've seen that. No, I've not seen that. Jason Bateman, my girl Olivia Munn. Jason Bateman, friend of the pod, in fact. Is he? Yep. (laughs) Yep. I don't know if he knows it, but he is. Yep. Hero. We gave him an award to um, close out the decade. What for? Well, technically, (laughs) I just gave him a bit of a... You've you've been underrated here, so I'm just going to give him <laughs> some props, and that was it. Yeah, I do get do get the underrated. Certainly get the him being underrated. Do you have a recasting for Sex Drive, Keenan? Before we just move on, I've got a couple of questions left. Um, I don't. I think Ian's the one. It's probably the one that goes for me, but I don't know who I'd like to see. I know it's a. I know it's an odd one, but. I would quite like even even I know just randomly making British, but if he could do an American accent, I'd quite like James Buckley to do it. Oh Christ! <laughs> just, I just think like someone like that, but I don't know. I, I think that's quite poor. I don't. I think he he's the most replaceable in that film for me. But you, I don't know who I'd want to do it. You get Simon and put him between his innards. In. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if he could do an American accent. Essentially, any one of those four, I would just, yeah. have just thrown in in two thousand and eight, like Blake Harrington, who plays Neil. <laughs> I think that's a great one as well. What if you had Bruce Almighty and you had the combination of Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn as God and Bruce? I feel like Owen Wilson would be a better God. Then it makes another X amount of million dollars. Yeah, it'd be it'd be sensational. It's it's just probably, it probably wouldn't film. work, but it'd still be sensational. Yeah, I thought Keenan was going to say that would make another excellent movie. <laughs> no, no, it was it would be that would make excellent. They would have made so much more. <laughs> and I, honestly, if it was those two in it, it wouldn't be seven three. Um, Bruce yeah. Almighty probably still with it. <laughs> they, uh, by the way, they're only having Vince Vaughn as God and Owen Wilson as the bloke suffering in that scenario as well. Luke. They're, not, yeah. they're not doing it the other way around. <laughs> they're not giving you that. I'll if just they... like Owen Wilson in the sky going, wah! <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> if Vince Vaughn is God and he's in, he needs to be in the film two or three times more than for as much yeah. time, two, yeah, two or three yeah. times more than Morgan Freeman is. Have him as swingers, Vince Vaughn, pulling over <laughs> baby. <laughs> Bruce, baby. <laughs> that is so money. <laughs> Did you know, or would you have expected that the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes has sex drive higher than Bruce Almighty? Wow. Beating no. it by 1%. That is incredible. That's Rotten Tomatoes used to be the, the pantheon of film reviews for a while, but I wouldn't, wouldn't, have, called, wouldn't have called that, no. Finally, um, my question, do you think that A-listers hinder a comedy? As a general rule, it's not a bad show. Because I find it the same as like comedy and horrors kind of go hand in hand in that respect. I find it hard to get into a horror film if I recognise the face. Yeah, see, um, I was completely agreeing with you until the fact that we have just acknowledged Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn, who <laughs> are in some of my favourite films, so it's very hard for me to say that completely. But but yeah, I'm with you in terms of... I guess it's specifically for the teen comedy, then. For the teen yeah. comedy, yes. But I was going to say, I mean, Will Ferrell in 08 in Step Brothers is probably an A-lister. Um, yeah, at that it. point and he, he, he's unbelievable in it I do I've think I've got some good trivia for that episode by the way I, I do I do think you're right comedy and horror I don't know if it was because they were originally lowbrow or they were independent but it's sort of what you, what you want from them they were never meant to be serious were they so it, they were away from yeah, a, away from the awards and mm-hmm. away from crit- or for a, a while they were away from critical acclaim like Animal and, House you know, and, and in like a way, that. is there with like a comedy? Is there not like a like with sex drive and with other films of that sort of right? You almost kind of forget they're acting and think this is actually that person. Like we said, like yeah. Ian, that <laughs> probably is him in general life anyway. But if you get an A-list actor pretend to be him, you know ultimately this isn't he isn't that guy. With sex drive, if you've got an A-list actor in playing Lance or playing Ian for so two of the main characters, it suddenly becomes a little bit too Hollywood, doesn't it? Everything yeah. becomes a revolve around them, doesn't it? It's no yeah. longer and if you've if you've long. already got a career, it, like if you've already got a career uh, and you're established and stuff, you can say no to some of the stuff that the director's going to want to do yeah. in the film, like, <laughs> like sex drive. Like if you're young, if you're if you're young and you're up and coming, and someone's like, "Look, can you do this?" Probably be like, "Yeah, why why not?" Which is why at the start of so many people's careers, they've got terrible films because it's like, worse yeah, for you, it's worse for women because they'll just be convinced to be in like a scary movie and be yeah. topless for like <laughs> two minutes and then no director is then cast them in a serious role next yeah you, yeah this day it definitely is something for, for women it's like yeah we'll just throw because you just throw a topless scene in for like <laughs> it sounds like a complaint but it's, it's not that in, like how many films can you think of off the top of your head where it's just like oh look just got a tits up if I if I cut you off there and put a cork in this because I'm just thinking that we do have to do another round with uh, Sex Drive In so we do want to save some (laughs) conversation for these but no I think that's been a successful first episode excellent so I was going to say thanks again thanks again for listening to (laughs) the Spitballing Pod feed thank you for listening to the end if you've got this far of Movie Madness episode one and we will be back next week. Goodbye.